We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Doesn't cost you a thing. Helps us rate us and review us, especially on Apple and Spotify. Five stars, quick one to two sentence review on Apple is a huge help uh, for the podcast. Tommy's here. I am here. And we are joined by our very good friend, uh, the elderly uh, person on this conversation. Uh, that would be Scott Lynn, our good friend from 980 Days and Other Days. Uh, and we brought Scott in on today's show to find out how he's doing, of course, but really to help us with the hockey game last night. Uh, several people were very upset with, Tommy, our review of Game 4. They said we missed some of the nuance of Game 4 uh, and that we were a little bit too flippant in our um, analysis of it. So we've got Scott on the show with us today. Scott was... I think this is true, Scott, and you won't take credit for it, but I think other than Koken, in our building for all of those years, you were the hockey guy other than Koken. Nobody knew more about hockey than you or Koken. Was there anybody that was close? I don't think so. Uh, I'll just let you keep on talking, and I'll nod, even though people can't see me nodding. I mean, Al is, of course, legend in this town, and his ties to the organization go back decades, and I do mean decades. And it's amazing because, Tommy, you can vouch for this. I think Koken is our very own Dick Clark. He is the DMV's oldest you know, living teenager because the guy just, the guy just keeps on going and going. Um, he, no, he, he's legend. Sure. Uh, was, I, was I a distant second? Yes, I'll, I'll, I'll happily take credit. That's because nobody else wanted to do it. Are you kidding me? I, and I love the game, too. I can't believe Kevin is Cal. Look, with all due respect, I love having talking to Scott Lynn. But I can't believe Kevin is kowtowing to a, a, a few whiners who didn't like our hockey content. So what's he do? He accommodates them. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't even know you anymore. Well, I'm I'm here to serve the customer, Tommy. Unlike you, you you tend to turn so. cus, you turn customers away. I like when they spend money. Um, it keeps the you know keeps the lights on. Uh, oh my God! You so know, we got somebody to hold our hand. You know that's not true, right? Nobody really complained about about our hockey discussion the other day because I don't think anybody listening knew much more than we did. <laughs> So, Scott. Okay, well, let's get to it. Let's do that hockey. (laughs) Scott, 
first of all, will you tell everybody what you've been doing? I, I know you're, you've got multiple uh, things that you're working on, including your own business, uh, which you came on and talked about on the podcast, I don't know, a year ago or so. But you're, you know, you're back in broadcasting in a certain sense. So update all of the people that are curious as to what you've been doing with your life, what you're doing right now. Absolutely, Johnny and Ed, and thank you guys again for having me on this illustrious and award-winning Who, program. I, who's Johnny and who's Ed? Uh, Tommy's Johnny always, because okay. he's way funnier yeah. than you'll ever be. <laughs> <laughs> and he's got a better golf swing with that hillbilly club. He does. Anyway, um, <laughs> of course he does. Anyway, no, what am I doing? Uh, I produce a program uh, for the Odyssey Corporation on the BetQL network called You Better You Bet with two fine gentlemen named Nick Costos and Ken Barkley. And it's on 3 to 7, Monday through Friday, and I'm just behind the scenes, which is awesome, and these guys are a blast. Sheehan, Tommy, you guys would absolutely adore it uh, because it's a whole lot of gambling, and it's done smartly and humorously. And while they take the product seriously, they certainly don't take themselves seriously. They take their knowledge seriously, but there's a, we have, I, I laugh. I honestly laugh every single day and several times. And... You know, you didn't think that'd be possible during a gambling program. So I'm doing that. Uh, I also have Scotland PR Podcast. Please feel free to check it out, scotlandprpodcast.com. And I'm doing the, the modest podcast with Solly. Uh, we do it four times a week, depending on your subscription level. It's through Patreon. Just look up Lynn Murray Solly. Even though Murray comes on like once a month, Zabe stops by weekly when he's not too busy. We go on his and, you know, just... uh being a producer and doing the Scotland PR podcast thing, doing a little bit of modest voiceovering and, and just hanging out and being a dad. And so, you know, there you go in a nutshell, my friend. Is the show that you're producing on every night? It is on, yeah, 3 to 7, Monday through Friday. It is on um, Odyssey affiliates from coast to coast, the BetQL Network affiliates. It's also on Twitch. It's also on YouTube. And this is something that's way cool. We average... I mean, they're, they're, over the, the winter months and through football season, these guys were pulling two million and up, uh, you know, in the neighborhood of two million downloads a month as far as segments being downloaded and podcasted. So it's a it's a killer killer program, and these dudes are honestly good. And I don't mean they're they're good with their explanations of CLV closing line value and and all you know, educating the listener on on how you should, how you might want to. But they're also pretty decent about sharing their stuff. Nobody's pimping a 900 line. Those days are over with, you know, knockout information and the Stu Finer type stuff. These guys are open. They share. Nobody's got any, you know, subscribe. Hey, call me and then I'll give you the other one. No, no, no. Everything's available. You know, listen live or listen through the podcast. And by the way, can I curse on this podcast, Ian? Is that okay? Yes, it's fine. Yeah. All right. They, they, uh, yeah, Tommy works blue all the time, making Mom's Mabley proud, baby. Anyway, if they have <laughs> shitty nights, uh, you know, with the with the games, they'll come in and they'll go, yeah, last night sucked, and and what a bummer. And you get to live, you know, how much you play and and or how little you play. You get to live vicariously through their through their, you know, gaming and and gaming experience. So they're also very good at telling stories. So there you go. That's well, two million downloads a month is a pretty damn good podcast. Um, what's it, it the... is, it is, and the company's very happy with us. Let's yeah. just leave it at that. Well, that's that's good, and I'm sure it's being produced well. Thank God, it's on between three and seven, and not say seven and ten. Um, that'd be <laughs> far too late for you. 
Um, all right, let's seriously talk about the hockey game last night. They had a 3 nothing lead. They lost the game 5-3. to Did they choke it away, or did they just get outplayed by, you know, a team that was obviously better coming into this series? Uh, this team, the Florida Panthers, has been described as the Golden State Warriors when they are at full health. And, I mean, the Warriors are full health. The Panthers are a pretty healthy team. If you build a 3 nothing lead over the Florida Panthers – should you be able to put them away? Away, Yes, but you also got to make sure you don't make any mistakes. John Carlson with a bad pinch. Puck goes over, they turn into a counter, it's a two-on-one, and then Patrick Hornquist flicks it past uh, Samsonov's glove. T.J. Oshie, you know, neutral zone. Dump it, dude, dump it. We, we scream that in floor hockey every Wednesday night. Keep in mind, T.J. Oshie's been probably the best player for the Capitals in this entire series, so he's a lot of brain freeze, but dump it, do the smart thing, do the prudent thing, do the safe thing, get it into their zone. It turns into a turnover, and then back they come. You can't hand them, and I saw this with LaViolette in the postgame. He's like, yeah, it was a tale of two games. One, I liked a lot of things that saw us build a 3 nothing lead. After that, we're giving them too many things. You don't give them opportunities. You don't, you know, Tommy, again, you're of multiple worlds, but including the baseball world. You don't put good-hitting teams on base with walks. If you're up three or four nothing, get them to hit ground balls. Don't walk. No free passes. No errors. So what the Capitals did was they they wound up making errors, bad passes, stuff that turned to in Florida's favor and was an instant transition game and it allowed them to just go play as as you know Joe and Craig and the guys in the '80s used to call it fire wagon hockey, where they go from one end to the other. Oh, you're gonna hand me this? Bye. And you joked about Carter Verhage, who. You know, coming into this series, there are a lot of really good, fast, talented, world-class players on the Florida Panthers. Two of them off the top of your head, Alexander Barkov, Jonathan Uberdo. But they're getting beat by a guy named Carter Verhage, whose speed was going to be a problem to begin with. But, you know, he's, he's now got open ice in front of him. He had a five-point night last night. That's, that's ridiculous. I mean, utterly ridiculous. You saw Nick Backstrom trying to catch up with a guy like Carter Verhage. It, it ain't going to happen, even if Backstrom is totally healthy from his hip thing. But by at this point of the season, boys, you know, everybody's dinged. Nobody cares. You just play through it. So, Sheen, I hope I answered your question. Florida's good. They don't need you to hand them anything. But the fact that the Caps did went up 3 nothing that spelled their demise last night. So how do you change that? How do you stop that from happening? Is that an on-the-ice thing or is that on the bench? It's a, it's a play smarter thing, Tommy. You know, you, you hope. And again, Oshie's great and, and has been the Caps' best player. He, of all people, should be thinking, hey, we're up 3 nothing. No, no reason to look for more. No reason for me to, I'll use the basketball, you know, parlance. No reason for me to try to dribble past one, two, or three people. Throw it in the corner. Go, go you know, get rid of it. People are on you. And, and, you know, you can't dump it down in, in basketball, so to speak, but you can get it out of trouble. You can get it out of your hands. And, and I, you know, I, I saw a, a lot of the game. I saw a lot of it in highlights, rewatched some of the goals. It was just momentary or secondary lapses of, of reason. And when stuff like that happens, Florida's too good to put runners on base, to fumble at, you know, at your 35 and then not expect – somebody to, with a quick strike offense to go right back in with at least a field goal. They, they don't need your help with that stuff, but if you're offering it, they're going to make you pay. 
I heard a lot of criticism, and this is one of the things, quite honestly, I, I'm not going to recognize. I'll recognize if a goalie you know, is out of position and maybe it's his fault. I actually thought Samsonov was decent last night, really, at the end of the first period. But I've heard a lot of criticism of Carlson and Orlov in particular. Carlson really has been such a great player, Scott, right? And he's rarely had bad games in big moments. But did he have a bad game last night? This is a sore spot for me because as good as John Carlson is offensively and certainly with the man advantage, I have never been a big fan of his defensive game, let's just say. Either it's too risky or too laissez-faire. There was a goal-mouth scramble last night with, what, five, six guys just basically standing around. And I think Dowd and Carlson were off to the goaltender's right. And a Florida Panther, like a little kid, who's just kind of dribbling, you know, like, like Muggsy Bogues or something like that, or Spud Webb dribbling through a bunch of tall guys. You need to all be aware. Carlson, to me, pretty harsh criticism for a guy that can't skate, and I'm talking about me. He just has, again, secondary lapses where you're like, uh, that, that guy over there, somebody, somebody better cover him, and then, you, you know, the next thing you see is a goal by the opposition and the back of 74's jersey gone, probably saying to himself, that was on me. There are too many times that that seems to happen. Again, he's a really good player, Kevin. You are exactly right. But really good players need to be really consistent when the spotlight shines brightest, and that's in the playoffs. Uh, okay, it's from a neophyte still, even though I've watched hundreds of hours of this, of this game. Uh, Come on, Tommy. You know Andy Bathgate stories. I know. What is wouldn't have wouldn't wouldn't the factor of being a good defensive player come into play when you're a defenseman? That's a pretty basic question that deserves a pretty basic answer. Yes, sadly, what's become of yeah no that time I, I, it's not it's I mean it, yes we laugh but it is it, it's kind of become a a, a, a frustrate more frustrating than a joking matter of late the guys that tend to win the Norris Trophy for the best defenseman are the ones that put up the most points. When, in essence, you'd love to see them have amazing advanced stats numbers. Now, I'm not an advanced stats guy. You may get feedback on this podcast that says, Lynn doesn't know what the bleep he's talking about, and Carlson's defensive metrics are excellent. I like to go back to the Kevin Sheehan eye test. And when I watch John Carlson, I see somebody who skates like the wind, has a rocket from the point, and is an offensive threat. He is not my favorite defenseman. So, Tommy, back to your question. Yes, if you play, if, if it says D next to your name on the roster, you should be a good defenseman and not a liability above all else. Again, harsh word liability, for, but for lack of a, 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 you know, a better term at this juncture because we're all a little angry that they were up 3 nothing and stupid stuff happens. You, you just can't do that. You've got to play better defense all of the time. It's the playoffs. Goaltending wins, defense wins. That's the bottom line. So Tom Wilson gets hurt in the first few minutes of game one. They haven't had him back since. Who knows if they'll have him tomorrow night. Um, do you think his his absence has contributed significantly or it's negligible in terms of why they're down 3-2? Oh, no, definitely significantly because he was such a part of 
the trio that he was with. And again, it happens all the time. If guys are having off nights, if guys get dinged, if guys miss a shift, if guys get double shifted, you know, he and his line mates were doing well. Wilson provided physical crunch. Wilson provides size and Wilson can skate. So if he's on, I mean, see, every, anytime you take a, you know, a good player out of any lineup, the next guys need to move up. But there was a reason that they were lower than your A guy to begin with. So just by that logic, of course their roster is going to be tainted, if you will. Um, yeah, I, I would say it's way more than negligible. I would say that he's had his losses had a big effect. Are they gonna? You know, are they gonna? Would they have won this series with great ease? No, Florida's good. The, the, the Caps are, in essence, what an eight seed, and this is the you know this is the. The, the top seed in the conference, like, lest we forget that. I know, I know the NHL playoffs are also looked upon as the great, you know, would-be equalizer because all you need is a hot goalie and you can take out the, the top seed. And the people of Washington certainly learned that and been on the wrong end through the years where you're like, no, oh, they're the higher seed, they should roll through. All right, somebody gets hot, somebody stands on their head, somebody misses an open net, and then all of a sudden things get squirrely. Fine. Wilson's absence does have a lot to do with it. The fact that Florida's really good and skates way better, that's got a lot to do with it. The fact that the Capitals played a perfect and beautiful game on Saturday afternoon in front of their home fans and then followed up with one that they should have won on Monday night. You know, I mean, you want to go back to a, a couple seconds, and I don't know if you watch Monday night's game in its entirety, yeah, but with the net Hathaway. empty, Garnet Hathaway clears it down. Right, but again, you know, as the late, great Mr. Beatrice used to say, if ifs and buts were candy, not, yada, yada, yada. Yeah, you're next. If, if, you know, if that goes in, sure, things are different. Shit happens. It's hockey. Thing hits, you know, it's, it's going, it's going. It hits the side of the net, turns into an icing. All right, back they come. They keep it in. The puck hits a guy's, what, arm or elbow, bounces down, and then gets whacked in, just beating the goaltender's left skate. Uh, okay. You know, it's, that, that's... It is what happens. I, 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 I hate that we always go back to that hockey crutch, but that was puck luck, and it was bad. It was bad for the Caps, and then it was really good for the Panthers. And then last night, back to the original questions about this game, you know, they're, they're, they're up 3 nothing, and then they stop. And they, they were standing around. I think it was the Reinhardt poke in. I don't even know who got that goal. It doesn't matter. But there, there's just stupid stuff that takes place, and you go, you can't have brain freezes against a team as excellent as Florida. You know, and one of the things, and Tommy and I really broke this down the other day on the Tuesday podcast, was just the penalty kill for the Caps, 16 for 16. I mean, they, they're down 3-2, and the Panthers, you know, the, the, the cardiac cats, as they're referred to, um, are right. over on the power play. That That's amazing. That I mean, if I had told you that a week ago, you would have said, Caps, maybe the series over, is over at this point, right? Yeah, definitely so. And, and for them to be, to have done, had done as well, have done as well uh, with the, you know, down a man has been absolute insanity. That is focusing on the details. And Tommy, I don't know if you wanted to go after LaViolette a little bit where you asked the question before you said, look, is that on ice thing or is that a bench thing? Of course he does. But that's, I mean, that, that, that's coaching. That's coaching, that's paying attention to detail, that's getting them honed, in, honed and, and focused in on, look, this team's great five-on-five. Five. You don't want to be down a man to them. You saw what happened again. Dumb goal, puck luck with the extra man on, on, uh, on Monday night that you know they had the, 
I, I don't even know if they call it an empty net. I think it's empty net if you score into an empty net, but like they call it a pulled goalie situation or something like that. Anyway, you don't want to, you know, you don't want to be at a disadvantage against Florida. But yeah, Kevin, kudos to the Caps for for doing as well as they have done in that statistic. Speaking of coaches, uh, what do you think about Barry Trotz getting fired? Weird, and he'll get a job in no time flat. There are a lot of teams. I mean, I, I, I don't know what happened on Long Island, but we know him to be a most excellent coach. And if Ted would have forked over a little bit more, he may still be here, and we may be in a different space. I mean, Bobby Lett's been fine. Am I in love with him? No, not, not, not really, but I, I don't hate the guy. He's, he's been very successful and has reached numerous heights with numerous different teams. So good for him. He's, he's certainly no slouch. I certainly did like Trotz better. But, yeah, Tommy, I'm shocked, to say the least. I, 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 don't, know, I don't know where he's going to wind up, obviously, but uh, there, there are suitors, and there should be suitors. He's very good at his job. Back, back to the Laviolette situation. You know, this would be four straight first round exits since he took over. Um, and, you know, obviously they won the cup in 18. If they lose tomorrow night or in game seven, first of all, do you think he would be in trouble? Secondly, do you think it's time for the Caps? I've heard a lot of Caps fans say the roster's too old. It's time to start over. Do you think that this would be, you know, four straight first round exits? Um, something that would influence Ted and, and company to think about starting over? Um, the starting over thing is very interesting, and, and we've certainly, you know, you, you can watch, watch the aftermaths of the goals, um, you know, in, in this postseason series or whatever, uh, whatever, whatever series, whatever game, and you go, how old is that guy? Oh, boy. I mean, it's, it's weird to me to look and see that Nicholas Baxter was born in 1987. He's 34, 35 right. years old now. He's yeah. age 36 season, I forget. Um, he's an elder statesman. Ovi doesn't seem to want to stop. And I'm not saying that Baxter wants to stop either, but he was a guy that had the start of his season delayed by that, that hip thing. And, you know, you watch him and you go, all right, it's still there, but he's certainly not the player he once was. He's 35! Father time is undefeated. Um, I, I expect even more from Kuzi that we're, than we're getting and that's sort of, you know, unfortunate. I mean, you also take a look at how the roster was constructed. You know, Carl Hagelin was here and was, a, and was a decent part of a unit. They go out and they make a trade. They pick up Mojo. They pick up Johan Larson and, and all good and well. And Mojo had a lovely game back to that Saturday afternoon thing, he and Anthony Mantha. But I need to see more on a consistent basis. Johansson's in his low 30. It is, you know, early 30s. Um, Eller's getting up there. Hagelin, who had you know the eye thing and the surgery, he's again was a key part was was a key part or was a part of a key unit and offered some speed and offered veteran smarts. But the other guys, you know, at at some point, even though Oshie's been absolutely awesome, just a year younger than than what's called than than Ovi. I mean, there's they have guys, Kev. They have guys that are that are key parts of the future and will be here, like Kuzi, like Wilson, certainly Connor McMichael. Certainly pieces on the defense, like Martin Fairvery, who is, has been a revelation at times, but also, you know, I mean, he, he's, he's a big fan. People are a big fan of his for a reason. Even Orlov is now 31 years of age. So 
to answer your initial question, is it starting to close? Oh, yeah. It's probably more than halfway shut, and at some point they're going to have to figure things out. But then I ask you, do you keep Laviolette on and you go, I want you to work with these young kids, and we're going to have to go into a new phase and a new place. I think they should bring I, – I mean, I don't know anything about anything, but, you know, getting rid of, of Trotsy over, you know, Nichols was stupid. I mean, he won the first Stanley Cup in the history of the franchise, and you're going you're gonna to nickel pinch. That seemed ridiculous. I also think, and Tommy, I don't know if you would agree with me, but Ted's not going to end the Ovechkin era until he catches Gretzky. I mean, that's going to happen in a Caps uniform. He's – Whatever he is, Scott, what is it, just over 100 goals away, something like that, so maybe two years, two and a half years away from, from the, uh, the Gretzky mark in goals? It's something like that. Something like he's, that, but I, I agree with your point. He's not, not going to pull the plug on that. Yeah. No, correct. I mean, that, that'll be one of the biggest buildups to Ovechkin becoming the all-time goal scorer in the history of the, the NHL, and there's no chance Ted's going to allow that to happen somewhere else. Providing, pro- provided providing Ovechkin still... Providing Ovechkin's still in the league. Okay. Well, you know, unless all-out war uh, breaks out, and I'm not suggesting that that's an impossibility, um, and he is, you know, sent back uh, to Russia. Let's just assume that he does continue to play. And, Scott, by the way, right, Ovechkin had a phenomenal year. He's still one of the best Great players year. in the game at 36 uh, years old. He's, he's still one of the best goal scorers. He, he is one of the greatest goal scorers of all time. Duh, way to go out on a limb there, Lynn. Uh, he had a very, very good season, yes. No no question about it. You want to call him one of the best players in the game? You know, I mean, there, there are some excellent hockey players, but I always like to look at whether it's TSN or the Hockey News or ESPN and sort of their, their lists, and you do see his name, you know, sliding down, but then you look at all, all these, you know, young guns, and I mean, go, go watch the Colorado Avalanche for a couple periods. Watch some of the players on the Florida Panthers. Watch... You know, Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl in, in Edmonton. Austin watch, Matthews you know, they're, they're, in Toronto. That guy's fun sure, to watch. Sure, yeah, thank you. Wait, why, watch, why, and watch he and his buddies. Watch Mitch Marner. Watch William Nylander. They're, they're, yes, thank you for picking that up. I just dropped it. Of course, duh. Matthews, a 60-goal season. That's I'm here. There, there are a lot. Uh, thank you. Because you have a stash like Austin Matthews. Anyway. <laughs> well, they, not um, right now. The, you know, the, 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 league, the league is in good hands, but as Crosby and Ovi start to sunset, uh, you know how much or how little is is uh, I don't, you know you start to offend people. You're like, yeah, I don't know how much longer he's going to do it. I think he'll do it till he can catch Gretzky, and then and then he'll be done. What are hockey fans rooting for? We've got seven of the first eight round series that are still alive. You could have seven game sevens here in the first round. Um, it probably won't end up being that. But what is being rooted for by the hardcore hockey fan uh, in general? Is it Toronto winning a series or contending for a cup? Is it for Ovechkin to make another run? Crosby and Pittsburgh. What, what are people rooting for? Uh, again, it depends on who you ask. I'm, I'm guessing the people in the business office are always looking with an eye on the future. And you mentioned Austin Matthews and the Toronto Maple Leafs have not won a Stanley Cup since 1967, which I think you were, 
You were 20 in 67, so you remember that. Well, you were my ba- you were my babysitter we- that year. I remember that. My family, yeah. my mother and father absolutely loved you. We took we took you to the beach one summer. I remember that. It was great. Um, and I and I bought right. I bought everybody beer. So no, you're exactly right. Anyway, they're rooting. I mean, the people north of the border are rooting for their stars. The people, you know, they're, they're the people north of the border. The the people in Toronto, of course, would love to see the Leafs go far. In Minnesota, you have a guy like Kirill Kaprizov who is just lighting it up for the wild. Um, you know, what's the easy answer? They want big markets. They want stars. So you got Toronto. I don't know if Edmonton gets out of this series with the L.A. Kings. Talk about a team that's built for the postseason with veteran goaltending like Jonathan Quick, who pitched a shutout a couple nights back, and they've been quite good. They're up 3-2. Everybody loves Game 7. Everybody. And I hope to God that the Caps come back and win this on Friday night. But... You know, if you're asking for like a, a dream final, I, there's a there's a lot of right answers. The NHL wants big markets, and they want to market their stars. Uh, do you like this back on ESPN, or did you prefer the NBC broadcasts? Oh, I I love it back on the ESPN, and I love it more than I I'm loving it more than I think I actually did, Kev. Just because. The guys like Messier and Chelios, who I didn't think I was going to get a lot out of, and TNT's done a, a fine job too with, with you know, the Tockets of the World and, and Anson Carter and Biz Nasty and Gretzky. Although Gretzky doesn't bring a ton to the broadcast. I like when Charles walks over from the basketball studio and does, you know, drive bys and, and hangs out and talks puck. That's fun. But back to ESPN, sure, it's increased, it's bigger stage, um, it's Levy doing something that makes Levy comfortable. Right. And like I said, Messier and Chelios have been great. Their different voices have been pretty solid. I, I, I'm enjoying the intermission shows, and I'm enjoying the hype up. So, yes, I, I'm, I'm a so fan will of Levy, back on ESPN. So and the music is good, too. Uh, yeah, I, I thought NBC's high-def quality was just so spectacular, and I actually liked the broadcast. And I know that – I think you and I have had the conversation about Doc Emmerich before. I love him. I know a lot of hockey people oh. think he's just – you know, okay, but um, is Levy? No, the... he's he's missed. I mean, you know, he's, he's his retirement is as you know. There there are other great voices, but I miss Doc. Emmerich is Levy the number one play by play? So when we get to the Stanley Cup Finals, he's the number one, and it airs on ESPN or ABC or wherever. Is he the number one guy or not? You know, I I don't know the answer to okay. that. I could uh, I could probably That's Google fine. search it, but I, I honestly don't know. He's who's good. Listed uh, as I think he does that really yes. well. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and people people like Bucci tends to be a, a bit of an acquired taste, but they, they they got voices. I just like the fact that it's there. I will say, as a criticism, there are mornings when I will watch like the seven A Sports Center, not Van Pelt, because that's hallowed ground, and no one slams Van Pelt around these parts, right, Tommy? Anyway, um, like on a seven A weekend, they won't get to a hockey highlight until the 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 nth block. It's I think. You know, they don't put a hockey highlight on or a hockey mention until like 47 past the hour. It's like on being on this podcast and, and having your guest slot not until like hour eight or something like that. Scott really is doing terrific work with his business. And um, as he mentioned, check out scottlynnprpodcast.com. If you or your business are looking to do things with, uh, you know, podcasting and communication stuff, Scott's great at that. And uh, good luck with the show you are producing, Talking Gambling, all the time. I'm not really familiar with the topic, but uh, I hear it's interesting these days. Um, Appreciate it, as always. Thank you, Absolutely, Scott. Boy. Really you, glad you came on Thank today. you, Tommy.
I, I, we need to do this live in, in a bar with like a, a pitcher of lemonade or something like that. I would absolutely adore it. And you guys stay well and keep knocking it out because I hear this podcast has a lot of fans. Let's see you. Uh, I'll, actually, I will see you this weekend. I will see you tomorrow night, uh, and we will enjoy each other's company for at least a few minutes. I'll talk to you soon. Scott Lynn at Scott Lynn underscore. Uh, on Twitter, and you can listen to his podcast with Lynn, uh, Tim Murray, and Solly uh, as well. Be safe, boys. I'll see you soon. Take it easy. Take it easy. All right, bye. Bye. See ya. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's schedule day in the NFL. We will get to that in our final segment of this recorded podcast because we want to give it time um, for more of the information to come out. But what we do know at this point is that Washington is going to play Jacksonville at home, Tommy, in the opener at FedEx Field. Uh, they could be the biggest favorite or one of the bigger favorites in week one. I think it's a big-time pressure opener because they will be expected to win it. And for Carson Wentz, the last time he played a game was against Jacksonville to get into the postseason, and he laid a big, fat egg. Uh, As, by the way, a 15-point favorite. 17 of 29 passes for 185 yards, one touchdown, one interception, one fumble, and six sacks. I think he – look, I, I remember watching the game from a bar. I think he had six sacks in part because I don't think the offensive line was interested in protecting him anymore. Well, I can tell you this because I did watch that game, uh, you know, kind of on red zone as, because it was one of the important games in the final week of the season. And the whole team sucked. I mean, they could not make a third and one or a fourth and one running the football with the best running back in the NFL last year, Jonathan Taylor. But man, was he tight as a drum. And as they got behind, he got tighter and tighter. And, you know, I think the whole team choked to, to put it just on him. Uh, wouldn't be fair because they didn't play well. They allowed Trevor Lawrence to have one of the best days of the year. Uh, Their defense did. But that's an interesting opener. Now, my opener in my mock schedule was at Indianapolis. Let me just tell you, though, according to some information out there, Washington's going to play on Thursday night, October 13th, in Chicago on Thursday night football. I had Washington at Chicago on Thursday night football. Not on that date. I had it in December. But I think I get some credit for having Washington at Chicago on Thursday night football. 
I think you do. I think you should. Absolutely. I think that's like worth a so half anything, a point. Anything, anything that you stumble on in this thing that is accurate, I think you should get credit well, that, for. That, actually, that's in considering that I rarely even stumble onto anything. Getting the opponent <laughs> on the one Thursday night game that they'll play. Um, because t- everybody plays one Thursday night game. Now, it's possible you can have a Thursday night game and a Thanksgiving Day game. I did learn from a source earlier this morning that Washington will not be one of the six teams playing on Christmas Day. So for you planners, you're going you're gonna to know most of the schedule by the time you listen to the, this podcast anyway. But um, they're not playing on Christmas Day. And for Washington, I would guess, Tommy, because they've got now a Thursday night game, if it's true, if the reporting's true at Chicago, my guess is that's their Thursday game. Every team plays at least once on Thursday for competitive reasons. Um, so that everybody has that short turnaround and then the longer layoff in between games. Uh, but usually a team like Washington that's not expected to be that good probably won't get two Thursday games. So the, uh, you know, the, the Thursday Thanksgiving Day game counts as a Thursday game, whether it's at night or not, in prime time or not. So I'm guessing right now, uh, and this is not you know, something that I know one way or the other, my guess is they probably won't be on Thanksgiving either since they have a Thursday night game against the Bears, but I'll probably be wrong about that. I am very happy, though, very happy um, that I got at Chicago on Thursday night correct, just off by about two months in terms of the date. So there you go. Uh, I think you should be. How about Jacksonville open? Code red. Code red. I mean, yeah, that's it. Look, you you got (laughs) to figure that that's a team in Carson Wentz's head already. Code red. This is a code (laughs) red game from the jump. Like, you look at their the teams that they could have faced, you know, uh, teams that are better than them, that they could have. First of all, they're opening at home now for the third straight year. Now, they've got nine home games and eight road games, the NFC teams do. I thought they'd open up on the road. I didn't think they'd give them three straight years of opening at home. Um, but this will be the easiest of the home openers. Uh, you know, they, they faced the Chargers uh, last year, and the year before that they faced the Eagles at home with Carson Wentz in that game. Carson Wentz, if you recall in that opener back in 2020, got sacked by Washington's vaunted defense seven times in that game, uh, and Washington won that game, remember, in the 2020 opener, coming from behind with Dwayne Haskins yes. leading the way. Um, in that game, and the defense playing uh, lights out in the second half. But yeah, having that Jacks, having Jacksonville, the worst team in the league for the last two years, they will be projected to, to be one of the worst teams in the league this year. New coach Doug Peterson, very familiar with Washington, obviously. Um, very familiar with the quarterback. Very familiar with the quarterback. Very familiar with the quarterback. Uh, a lot of pressure to open up in a game. On Sunday, September 11th, against a team that I'm guessing right now they'll be a six or seven point favorite against. Somewhere in really? that neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah, I guess you're right. I would look a little bit more because you get, well, 
most teams get three points for a uh, home field advantage. I don't think. No, Washington does uh, not the anymore. Commanders do. That's by the way right. true. I I okay. had my guy from um you know up in Charlestown tell me that Washington and Jacksonville actually are the two teams in recent years that haven't gotten the full credit for being the home team. And I'm talking about non-pandemic, you know, fan I know. attended games. I know. Right. A- absolutely. I get that. So I guess yeah, a six or seven point favorite that would be accurate. Yeah, Jack- that would be fair. Jacksonville's based on expectations. Jacksonville's win total next year for right now five and a half at my bookie. Um, Washington is at seven and a half. Seven and a half. Yeah, not that big of a difference. No, that is a big difference in over under totals. I mean that that would be like you know a, a two game difference for for totals is a big difference. Five and a half means you're bad. Seven and a half means you know you're right in the middle. I mean, put it this way: like the highest. Over under win total is eleven and a half. That's Buffalo and Tampa. Um, even the Chiefs are ten and a half, uh, and the Cowboys. Or You're the, right. The, okay. e- the Eagles are eight and a half, and I, I think you could. You know, the Eagles are are better than Washington going into this year. I think most people would say that, and they're only a game higher on the over under win total. So, but a game is significant. But anyway, yeah, they could be a solid 6-7 point favorite in week 1. They will be one of the bigger favorites is my guess uh in the opener um week 1. So, as we go through this podcast, we'll probably have more information on um on the schedule that we can share with you and by the time you listen to this, you'll have the whole thing anyway. Um I did want to mention one thing related to uh Washington. Albert Breer in his Monday morning quarterback um, column slash uh, slash mailbag, he was answering a question about uh, Terry McLaurin's contract negotiations, and he said, um, he said, "quote Nowhere near happening um, right now. Negotiations haven't even begun." Now he said it in such a definitive way, at least in print, that you know I, I I wonder if he was trying to lead everybody to believe that this is far from a guarantee that it'll get done. I'm not that concerned because it's May 12th. I mean, John Allen didn't sign his deal until right before training camp started. You know, so that's two plus months away. I do think, though, I, I think Terry McLaurin will sign a long-term deal, but I do think that. Washington better not go low to start. And I don't think they will. Hopefully they won't. That's more of a Bruce Allen move from the past. But Terry McLaurin and his agent are going to be expecting top five-ish wide receiver money. The explosion of the wide receiver salaries here over the last couple of months, um, you know, he's not looking for a DJ Moore deal which DJ Moore is just over $20 million, and that may be his comp more as a player. Uh, the top five right now are Tariq Hill at $30 million a year, Devontae Adams at $28 million a year, DeAndre Hopkins, who's suspended for the first six games of next year, at $27.25 million, A.J. Brown, $25 million. Many of you had issue with me um, suggesting that A.J. Brown was the best uh, receiver in the division. Uh, many of you clearly agreed he is the best receiver in the division. I um, mean, I don't think Terry McLaurin, uh, you know, deserves A.J. Brown money or Hopkins or Adams or Hill money. Diggs is at $24 million. Then there's a drop-off to D.J. Moore at twenty point six. His agent's going to be looking for something close to Stephon Diggs in top five money. 
So you better not come in at 18 or 19 if you're Washington and piss them off because they're less than a year less than a year away from unrestricted free agency unless you're going to use the tag on them, which I don't you know I don't think that's any way to deal with Terry McLaurin. You want him, he's really good, and he's phenomenal for your locker room and culture. So when they do, I can't fathom. Yeah, I can't fathom. Washington not doing everything they could to keep this guy. Now, even these guys, even even as hapless and helpless as these guys are, I can't fathom them not doing all they can to keep a guy who's, you know, to pay a guy for what he's going to do in his best years to come. You get the opportunity to do that, and you know he's a stand-up guy, the kind of guy that you wish you had 30 of. In your locker room, okay. So it's in, it's. I just I can't possibly believe they'll they'll lowball him or punt this or anything like that. If he leaves, it's because he wants to leave, no matter what. I think you're right. I think they absolutely should and will. I think for them though. One of the reasons they wanted a receiver so desperately, when, you know, in many ways you could have made the case before the draft and when last year ended, Terry McLaurin and Curtis Samuel and Deami Brown, who they picked in the third round last year, you know, and they, they, they re-signed Cam Sims and getting Logan Thomas back. It's a pretty good supporting cast. I mean, I made the case yesterday that Washington's skill position players – um, you, if you take the quarterback out of the equation, is almost equal with Philadelphia's in the division and is probably better than Dallas's and New York's right now in the division. So they wanted a receiver in this draft desperately. And Cooley said in his film breakdown of Jahan Dotson, Dotson will be the first receiver Washington's had since Deshaun Jackson that will dictate coverage that will make a defensive coordinator truly, you know, react and, you know, bracket coverage and double coverage. And I said, really? You don't think that about Terry McLaurin? And he said, no. He said, most defensive coordinators understand you can cover Terry with one guy. And he, he didn't want to diminish Terry as a really good all-around receiver. But I think what Cooley is saying and what others have said, and I've said this before, I don't think he's a top 10 receiver in the NFL. I think he's somewhere between 12 and 15. He's really good. But maybe they don't think he's 25 million, 24 million a year good. And that could create, you know, some negotiation stall. When you get to that point, if they, 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 they went after Dotson and they were going after Drake London because they wanted another guy. You know, the idea of McLaurin as your true number one X and then having, you know, Deami Brown as your number two, it wasn't good enough. And so I think it'll get done. I would bet on it getting done. I would bet on both sides being really happy when it gets done. But I think that, you know, their feeling about Terry might be different than Terry's agent feels about Terry. And and we'll see how that manifests itself in the negotiations. That's all. They may have to overpay in their own mind a little bit to keep a guy that they should keep. But that that but that's that's the price you pay for being the commanders. 
you have to overpay. You, you're, you're, I mean, you're, at least you, at, at least you're overpaying for a guy that you 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 know is is a known quantity. Your player, as opposed to bringing in a guy who's just coming to Washington to get paid, like in the old days. Yeah, you're doing a lot of that, and I'm not saying you're 100% wrong, because in the past you'd be 100% right, and right now you're probably at least 80% right. But John Allen signed a long-term contract a year ago because he likes it here, and he likes Ron Rivera, and he likes the football operation, and he's also from here. He grew up I understand. He grew up here. J.D. McKissick, you know, had a chance to go play for a Super Bowl favorite. I mean, they are, in some places, the Super Bowl favorite this year. And he chose, even though it ultimately made him and his agent, maybe the team, look a little bit sketchy. I don't believe that to be true, but whatever. Um, He decided to stay. And if Terry decides to stay. We don't know what happened with J.D. McKissick. Well, we know this. I don't this. think you can definitively say what what his decision making process was. Well, we know what the final decision was, right? But we don't know how he. I'm talking about how these people arrive at their decisions, and that is that's a big question mark that that it isn't going to get answered until Buffalo gives their side of the story. Well, I mean, the, the Buffalo GM kind of did give his side of the story and blamed it all on Washington's ethics. Basically, but let me just say this: What we do know is that McKissick had a an offer to play in Buffalo, and he ended up signing to play in Washington. And I'm just saying, with respect okay. to your current position, that, that nobody overpaid? wants to be here. Do, do we think they overpaid? Do we think that they... uh, I don't. Yeah. I don't think so. I don't think there was much difference at all in the two offers. McKiss- really? Yeah, really. What were they? Uh, I'm going to look it up, but I remember we had this conversation and there wasn't uh, that much of a difference. Hold on. Okay. I mean, I'm not saying it's an absolute, but it is the general rule. Okay, there's no absolutes in a situation like this. You're going to find some guys who, who want to stay, but generally most guys wouldn't choose to come to Washington. That's a general rule. I'm just, I want to look, I want to make sure I'm right about this. Two years, seven, yeah, ex- exact same terms that were reported. The, the, the deal with the Bills was two years, seven million. The deal that he signed with Washington, two years, seven million dollars. So okay. the exact same deal. All I'm saying to you is that you can't say that Anybody that has a choice and a much better choice, which, by the way, McKissick had a really good option to play in Buffalo for a Super Bowl contending team, um, and that they're just gonna they're, they're gonna take the other option all the time. I think that, I didn't say it was an absolute. I know, but you kind of suggested it, and implied that at the beginning. Rule. I think this group no, is different. I think this group is different. I think the, yeah, but but the team isn't different. The, the group you think you the organization you isn't different. different. The but, organization isn't right. Different. The, the team is still a train wreck every single fucking day. 
you know what? It hasn't been a train wreck in the last few weeks. <laughs> it's been we've had like a month, <laughs> a, a three to four week run of no horrendous news related to the team, which is interesting because there was a stretch there where it was every week, once a week, because we laughed when Ron Rivera was asking for everybody to focus on the future, and it was just one story after another about the past. But I think, Tommy, my overarching point here is that football people right now, including players, first of all, more times than not, they really, their agents have an understanding of what a train wreck of an organization is, but the players are looking for the opportunity to play for a staff that they like and with on a team with players that they like, but really they're looking for the opportunity to play. And so I think you dismiss you dismiss the influence of agents. Right now, you've got two agents that have public. Well, you've got one GM that has publicly ripped the organization for the way they do business, and another agent, Matt Ioannidis' right. agent, who has publicly ripped them. This is what used to happen in the Bruce Allen era. Agents understand, uh, you know, how teams do business, and right now, you you have at least one agent that's publicly. Just destroyed Washington for the way they do business, and then you have a front office executive to do the same. So I don't know why you think their reputation would be any better among football people than it was before. Well, I, where's the proof? Well, well, here's I don't have proof, but I promise you, if USA Today did the thing they did five years ago, where they had the agents anonymously polled on who the worst front office executive was, and it was Bruce Allen, it wouldn't be Marty Herney or Martin or or, or Martin Mayhew this year. But so they'd be in the bottom five. I bet it wouldn't be in the bottom five. I'm not saying it would be in the top five, but I bet it wouldn't be in the bottom five. I think that that okay. Rivera and Herney and Mayhew and Washington's football people are are pretty well respected, compa- certainly compared to what it used to be here. So I do think it's different. Yeah, I know that. But... And the Ionitis thing. Hold on for a second. The Ionitis thing. Um, I can. I don't know this, but remember, if they told him we wanted you to stay and we're keeping you and we're not going to release you, and then all of a sudden they they whiffed on Wilson and they were in that spot of trading for Wentz and taking on twenty eight point three million, things change and they had to release him. Now I don't know. Maybe they were planning on releasing him all along and they were lying. I don't think that's what happened. I can tell you this: Matt Ioannidis hasn't wanted to be here for. A couple of years now, uh, you know there were there were there was discussion in the 2020 training camp that Ioannidis wanted to be traded early on, and that was more of the position coach um, issues right. with the D line um, than it was with the head coach or the GM or or anybody like that. Um, I don't. W- do, w- in most cases, would high profile players pick another place other than Washington? Yes, yes, that's true. You know, if Carson Wentz had a choice, had he been released, and let's just say four or five teams were bidding on his services as a waived player, I'm sure there would have been two, at least of the group of five, that he would have preferred over Washington. I agree with you on that. But for J.D. McKissick and Bobby McCain and John Allen last year and maybe Terry McLaurin this year, It's not the I got to get the hell out of here situation that it's been in the past, at least as it relates to the people in the football operation. That's as much defending of them as as I'm going to do today. uh, 
McLaurin will be uh, a, certainly uh, a canary in a coal mine situation. It will be a bellwether for this. It'll be a litmus test for this. Yes. Yep. Because he'll have he'll have big time options if he makes it to free agency. Although remember, Washington can always use the franchise tag. That's always worked out well for them. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, uh, you wanted to talk about this story that came out the other day related relating to Dallas. Which did you know that they are creeping up on Chicago? as the third most populous metropolitan area in the country? Because, you know, it's New York, L.A., and Chicago have always been the top three. Chicago's been number three. Dallas is fourth, but apparently within a, a year or two, they're going to be third. I didn't realize that. Did you? No, I didn't particularly realize that. Uh, it doesn't surprise me. I mean, you know, you've got people with no conscience and no brains walking to, to a state like Texas yeah. just because the, the taxes, you know, the, the tax situation is, is, is so lucrative there, including, at my point, I, Eli Musk, who uh, just moved, I think, his headquarters uh, from California there, there to are, Texas. There are huge tax benefits to living in places like yeah, Texas and Florida, yes. But, no, I didn't think that. But, uh, you know, this, this idea of two cities, two teams in a city, uh, is, is, is interesting because now you have a situation where you've got that in two places. You've got it in New York, and you've got it in L.A. Yeah, let me just make sure and that we're he, clear on what we're talking about here because I started with the size of the market. Okay. The, 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 the mayor of Dallas, Texas, Eric Johnson, recently in an interview said he thinks that the Dallas market is big enough to get another NFL franchise in addition to the Cowboys. New York's got two with the Giants and the Jets. L.A., which didn't have any a few years ago, has two with the Rams and the Chargers. No other uh, – well, the Bay Area um, had two for a while, but now the Bay Area only has one. No right. other market has yeah. two. And I, I guess the question is, do you think the NFL would consider this and how would it impact the Cowboys? Oh, the NFL would never consider it. I mean, Jerry's too powerful to to let this happen. You know, Chicago used to have two teams. The Cardinals had, had originally played in in Chicago okay, old man. Uh, when the Bears were there. Uh, when the Bears, you know, while the Bears were there. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, this isn't going to happen. But I thought it was hilarious as, as opening the door for Dan Snyder to relocate the team. <laughs> oh, that's what you were thinking. I didn't yeah, even think about that. That's it. Yeah, th that's what I thought. I thought. I thought. Okay, Dan, I'll say to all these politicians. Okay, you build your stadium, or I'm moving a team to Dallas. <laughs> um, I think that and he says that's not going to happen. Obviously, I'm joking here. I mean, and I don't think it's ever going to happen because of the power of a guy like Jerry Jones. Yeah, but why uh, are you you're, you may be dismissing something. And that is it could be incredibly lucrative to Jerry Jones to have a second NFL team in his market. They would become a tenant of his stadium. Uh they would become a tenant of maybe some of their facilities as well. And do you think the Cowboys would ever be at risk of losing one fan to the new, I mean, obviously one is an exaggeration. Do you think that somehow their fan base would be diminished by a second team in Dallas? 
Well, I think uh, the mayor is not thinking of them sharing the stadium with Dallas. I think he's thinking of a team in, uh, if I think I read this correctly, in a different part of town, South Dallas, you know, probably with their own stadium situation. Well, uh, well, Jerry's not going to do that. If a second team came in, Jerry's no. going to make them pay as a tenant um, to play in AT&T Stadium and to, uh, to play in Jerry. Yeah, he, here it is. The mayor suggested that the hypothetical team would play in Southern Dallas and be in the AFC, mm-hmm. not an NFC team. Yeah. Okay. So Jer- Jerry's not going to let that happen. Well, but, I, sharing a stadium is like, very, very say- lucrative for the owner of that stadium. If he's, I mean, we, we've yeah. seen that in L.A. with the Chargers. Yeah, and this with is why pack. the Ravens the Raven should offer their stadium to, to uh, <laughs> the Commanders to play in. <laughs> God. I, I love the story about FIFA walking through FedEx. Okay, we're done <laughs> here. Do you have another stadium for us to look at? Yeah, there's one right up the road in Baltimore. Um, I mean, this is never going to happen. And I'm, I'm surprised. I mean, I don't know what the mayor is thinking even putting it out there, uh, except just to be cannon fodder for some owner who thinks people would be stupid enough to believe it, uh, a guy who's looking to build a stadium. Look, Tommy, the, t- the league is going to keep growing. The league's going to add an 18th game at some point. The league's going to add more markets because the more markets and the more games means more television dollars. It means more content. And so... But everyone believes the more markets are going to be international, not here in the United States. They have thought that at various times. And I've read things more recently over the last year that's pushed back on some of that, especially anything other than London. Uh, they're going to play their first game in Germany, you know, this year. The Bucks are going to play uh, Seattle, I think, in the first ever game uh, in Germany in Munich. Um, but uh, there, there probably there could be some international expansion. But there's still cities like St. Louis that don't have an NFL team uh, that could use an That's NFL true. team. And th- the truth is, you know, in a market like Dallas to have a second team, it may ultimate, ultimately prove out numbers-wise to be much more lucrative to the league being in a much bigger market than expanding to, like, say, St. Louis. But I, I, I think it's a long shot, too. Trust me, I'm not sitting here saying that I, you know, after reading that, I thought it's a possibility. But in thinking about it, I'm not so sure that it wouldn't be, you know, pencil out in a major way for both the league and Jerry if that happened. Now, for Jerry, it would be an issue of do I really want somebody else in my market, even if I'm making a fortune off them, which he would probably do. Um, Unless Jerry would probably think, well, I'll take take Dan in. He's a (laughs) bozo. I can control him, make him do what I want. You know, I'll bring Dan. I'll bring Dan in. You know, I mean, Jerry is already in charge of selling uh, uh, luxury boxes and suites and uh, luxury seats whenever the, the new Washington Stadium's built. Jerry's company, Legends, really, uh, is in charge of that. Yes, they've already made a deal with Washington to sell their. Uh, their suites and, and luxury seats. You know, I, I didn't know that. Back to just NFL expansion. It's 2022. By 2030, there are going to be 34 teams, I bet you minimum, 
an extra two teams, and there will be an 18th game. Let's just say that London is one of the markets for expansion. Does that mean you've got to have a second European market? I don't think it does. Like, St. Louis definitely has shown the ability to support an NFL team. Oakland would need a new stadium. You know, the Bay Area would need a new stadium, clearly. Although, are they going to play both teams in Santa Clara? Um, But Oakland can certainly, the Bay Area can certainly support two teams. We've seen that before. What are the other markets in the NFL? Like, who recently lost a team? Why am I blanking? Um, St. Louis. I don't know. To L.A., Oakland to Vegas. Oh, San, oh, San Diego, San Diego. Right. So San Diego, St. Louis, Oakland would be the first three U.S. markets that would be considered unless they considered, you know, Dallas or south of Dallas. I mean, when you said south of Dallas, you're not talking about Austin, are you? I mean, that's a, a massive market now. But uh, I don't even think that's – I don't know. Austin's not considered part of the Dallas DM uh, uh, metro area. Um, Fort Worth obviously is. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, if I, to- I if, if I said to you right now, in 10 years or by 2030, eight years from now, there will be 34 NFL teams. What are the, t- what are the two cities that, that aren't in the league now that w- will be? London, I think. And remember, when the Dodgers moved from Brooklyn to L.A., they convinced the Giants to move with them because they felt they needed another team right. out on the West Coast because there was no team west of, the, of St. Louis mm-hmm. back then. Uh, I don't know if the NFL, like you said, would feel the same way about having two teams internationally. Uh, and... Uh, you know, all those other I don't think any of those cities are particularly attractive. I don't think any of those options you mentioned are particularly attractive. And let's remember, we're talking about an industry that's going away from spectator business, where their money is not in the spectator business. It's all in the TV money. Right. So why do you need more teams? Uh, because you need because the more teams you have, the more games you have, the more content you have. And so that's why I think you know more teams in an 18th game eventually will will be there. Um, I mean, eight years. I think it's London in the next between now and 2030, and that's it. Yeah, I mean, they have they ever had an odd number of teams? Maybe they have. I can't remember. Um, you know, the last true expansion right was Jacksonville, Carolina. Well, no, because Houston got the team after they lost the Oilers to Tennessee. Right. Uh, right. I think Cleveland got the team after they lost right. uh, to Bal- you know, the Browns yeah. to the Ravens. Right. So, I, I mean, in terms of market size, the Bay Area obviously would be the biggest. And, you know, if Dallas, if the Dallas market is truly a market that, that would be considered, those would be the two areas. You know, and, yeah. and, and here locally, um, the international expansion thing, London, and then another team. Where's it going to be? Two teams in the UK? Probably not. So they need another country that loves the NFL in Western Europe. 
And I know that Germans really do love the NFL. We'll see if it's anywhere near the same level um, as, you know, the UK. Uh, I mean, it's taken a while. They're going to play their first game there this year. You know it'll be sold out. It'll be a big deal. Um, Of course. Yeah. Uh, All right. Um, We got a couple of other things to finish up the show with. We'll do that right after these words from a few of our sponsors. This segment of the podcast is brought to you by my good friends at Window Nation. They've got their graduation sale going on right now. If your old windows are failing, not making the grade, uh, call Window Nation. All right, 0% financing for five full years is the offer right now, along with buy two, get two free. So you're going to be paying half price for your windows, and they're not going to charge you any interest for 60 months. Call them at 866-90-NATION or go to windownation.com. Mention my name. They will give you a free estimate, and that free estimate, that price quote, is good for six months. No reason not to call Window Nation at 866-90-NATION or windownation.com if you've been thinking about new windows. Mention my name. You'll get a free price quote. It's valid for six months. Uh, and if you uh, decide to act on that quote and buy windows from Window Nation, you'll get 0% financing for five years, and you'll pay half price. Two free windows with every two that you buy. So something just uh, happened on Twitter that I think is hysterical. So there was this site um, that popped up uh, the other day called NFL Game Leaks. Now, the title of the page was NFL Schedule Leaks. And they started, you know, two or three days ago just popping out all these games. And I said, I think I said it on the podcast. I know I discussed it with Brendan on the radio show. This is a fake site. Don't buy anything that these people are, 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 are spewing out. They don't know anything. They just joined Twitter on May 9th. And somebody did this last year and the year before. Well, they just tweeted out the following. This NFL Game Leaks Twitter page. Guess who just got 10,000 followers by literally making up a bunch of NFL games because I was bored and faking out almost the entire football Twitter landscape? This guy right here. (laughs) Uh, That's awesome. Oh, my God. That is fantastic. He then tweeted out, no wonder half this country thinks the election was rigged. Good effing Lord. Y'all idiots will really believe anything you see on the internet without fact-checking your sources. Anyone who has a blue check, check my likes, who retweeted me, should lose their check. I, 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 I'm, I warned funny. everybody. I said, this is a fake site, this guy. Because the, they had Washington playing Detroit on Thanksgiving Day. And I said, I don't know if that's true or not, but it's, if it is true, it's not true because this particular Twitter account said it. They just created their Twitter site. That's funny. And he admitted it. That's, that is funny. Yeah. Um, and telling. And telling. Okay. I wanted. I know you have something that you wanted to, to close with. I just wanted to mention this real quickly. I was really. I was actually very dialed into the Caps game last night, and it was an exciting game. I. I, I really, genuinely, while I don't know anything about hockey, I enjoy watching playoff hockey, and I think you feel the same way. 
Um, but I love the NBA playoffs, as many of you know. And I and because the hockey game was going on simultaneously with Boston Milwaukee, I actually didn't really get a good feel of that game. I was switching back and forth, you know, in between periods and commercials, and I caught the end. And 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 Drew Holiday made you know an incredible defensive play on Marcus Smart uh, to you know cap what was a 14 point comeback uh, for a win in Game Five at Boston. But that's not the game I wanted to talk about real quickly. Tommy, last night in the nightcap, and I did not stay up to watch this, um, Memphis beat Golden State. They were down 3-1 in the series. John Morant is done for the playoffs. He's out. Their best player, one of the, you know, right now, one of the five to seven best players in the league John Morant has already become. And Memphis had a lead at Golden State in Game 4, and they lost the game to fall 3-1 down in the series. Game 5 was last night. They were trying to avoid elimination. They won the game 134-95. to They won by 39 points. But at one point late in the third quarter, they led Golden State by 55 points. It was 119 to 64. I've never heard of a 55 point lead in a basketball game at any level. I was in a gym once. I will tell you this in a gym for uh, what was a big event in town, um, the Catholic League, uh, the Catholic uh, CYO uh, had a huge. A tournament every year during Martin Luther King weekend, and a lot of the really good CYO teams in town played in it. And Washington Jesuit Academy, which has produced so many really good students and athletes, it's a terrific place. WJA was participating in it, and at one point I was watching their game, and they were up 61 to 5, and they were doing their best. Uh, that they could to keep the score from getting out of hand. Um, but 61-5 to is a 56-point lead uh, in a game. That, that was 8th graders, 7th and 8th graders. NBA last night, Memphis led Golden State by 55. This is Golden State. I think they're going to win the title this year. They are the favorite to win the title right now. The 52-point lead that Memphis had at the end of the third quarter is the largest lead in an NBA playoff game after three quarters in 70 years. So 70 years, Tommy, would put us back at 1948. Uh, or I'm sorry, wow. 19, 1952 uh, would put us at, at 70 years. 1952, I have no idea. who was What's-his-face playing center for the Minneapolis Lakers, Mikan, in 1952? George Mikan. I don't know. Did they have a shot clock in 1952? 52-point <laughs> lead. Born, buddy. 52-point lead last night. Stunning. I mean, the fact that they won well, game five. Yeah, mean, meaningless. I, I think it's meaningless. I think it is. I don't know. They had a lead into the second half at Golden State in game four without John Morant. And last night they led the best team so far in the postseason by 55 points in the third quarter. It should be meaningless. These games change so dramatically, especially from venue to venue. And it's going back to San Francisco for game six tomorrow night. But I don't know. Something When you're trailing by 55, 
You can ch- chalk it up and say, hey, losing by one, losing by 55, a loss is a loss. Next game, okay, we'll see. I think Golden State's going to still win the series, and I still like them to win the title. But that's shocking last night in yeah. a professional basketball game to be down by 55 points in a playoff game to a team without their best player. Uh, what did you want to end the show with? Have you ever been to the National Cathedral? Many times, yeah. Really? Yeah. I had never been there before. I've lived in this town for, in this area for 39 years. Uh-huh. I've never lived, been there before. So we went yesterday. Yeah. Uh, just to see the place. Yep. And uh, at one point, the organist uh, started playing some, you know, that, that, that solemn, hallowed type of church organ music. Right. You know? And it struck me that the first thing I didn't think of wasn't my six years of Catholic education and going to, going to church at St. Teresa's. It didn't bring me back to that. The first thing I thought of was the baptism scene in The Godfather. <laughs> <laughs> that was my go-to. In church, in this hallowed church. That's, that's what you thought My first of. thought yeah. was, was Michael Corleone... Uh, standing in and and that you know for the baptism as right. the godfather of Connie's son, uh, and the music that played in that scene, right? And while he while he has all five of his uh, his his uh, opponents killed, that's when that that to me uh, let me know that whatever sliver of Catholic education I had in my body is long gone. Were there were there Dial. multiple families in church with you yesterday at the cathedral? No, um, it was just us. Uh, yeah, there were people in there. Yeah, I'm, I'm talking about families, families. I'm talking about heads of families. Oh no, no. Okay, no, not those kind of families. So not those kind of families. I um, first of all, I I kind of live near there now, um, and I love that area of town, uh, and. The National Cathedral is beautiful. You know, it was damaged significantly by the earthquake. I know. In 2011, and part of the part of the exhibit now is they display the stuff that was damaged. Right. Um, my yeah. wife's company has had their holiday party there a couple of times, and I am telling you that it was spectacular at holiday time with the lighting inside the cathedral and that. You know, in that ground level floor, it was just beautiful. Oh, and it's it's an awesome building. Yeah, absolutely. And it's also, you know, um, the top of that building. There, there are various points, even in Montgomery County. If you're at a high point, like if you, um, let me give you a couple of spots. If you're a Montgomery County County person, if you are over in the Mass Ave corridor. Um, you know, the top of Mass Ave near Glenico Firehouse is one of the tallest points um, in Bethesda anyway. Uh, I think it's like a 250-foot elevation point, and when you drive over that point, if you look and you're, and you're driving south towards the city, you can see the cathedral. 
Like you can see the top of the cathedral pop up, and it's very pretty um, to see it from that angle. Um, there are other areas, too, where you can uh, see the cathedral. I think there's an area over on Connecticut Avenue, too. Um, well, they had the... They had the officer. They had the floor, like the seventh floor, where you can go up and, yeah. and, and, and look see out, and look see out. Oh, seats. that's that's yeah. gorgeous, and yeah. you can see the whole city from there. Yes, yeah, we did that as well. One of the reasons we went there was because Helen Keller is buried there. I didn't know that. Oh, I didn't know that was... until we visited Helen Keller's birthplace. Is Helen Keller uh, from D.C.? And... No, she's from Alabama. Uh, that's what I, I didn't uh, think she, she was from D.C., yeah. So, and, and, it, and she's from uh, Muscle Shoals, Alabama. Oh, where you just were. And uh, we, Yeah, so we visited her birthplace there, and that's where we found out. So we were determined to see where she's buried. And, you know, there was a place where she's buried. They had It was in a, a chapel that was closed off for filming. So we couldn't even uh, see Helen Keller, uh, which was kind of like the whole point that I wanted to go. So. Interesting. Um, yeah, yeah. It's a beautiful building. God, there there are a lot of places. I mean, Tommy, you don't have to go to Muscle, Muscle Shoals to see new things. Not that you, you wouldn't want to go to Muscle Muscle Shoals to see new things. But I'm always amazed at how many places in this city that I am from, born and raised from, that I haven't been to. That people who aren't from here will say, "Have you ever been to this place?" Nope. Haven't. I mean, when I was yeah. younger, obviously growing up here, there would be field trips to, you know, almost every museum, you know, uh, and, and I, I, I love the museums and, and the big ones, you know, whether it's the Air and Space or the Museum of Natural History or the Mu- Museum of American History or the, you know, the National, National Gallery of Art, the East Wing in particular, where you've got more sort of Impressionism and some of that stuff. And by the way, I think is one of the more beautiful um, museums in town. But there's so many others. And you typically, and I don't know if this is the case with most cities that have a lot of tourist attractions, I kind of feel like the people that come here to visit end up seeing a lot more than I've seen as an actual <laughs> born and raised Washingtonian. Yeah, I know. I've met people who have, have lived in Maryland for 30, 40 years. And have never seen any of them as Smithsonian's, period. Well, that's ridiculous. You, know, you have a lot of people who are like that. I know it is. We also went to the uh, Hershore Museum yeah. and saw the Laurie Anderson exhibit. And, uh, I mean, we're determined to, to go into D.C. more and, and see more stuff. Well, I mean, you were right around the corner from my house. You could have called, and I would have come. Karen and I would have come and met you for lunch. Why don't you do that so next time so you come into town, and we'll meet you for lunch? Or dinner. So the ban is. So you're lifting the ban. I don't have a ban on you. Not, You've had a ban on I'm, me before. I'm, I've never had a ban on you. <laughs> and you know we can we we can drive and we can check out the Knickerbocker, uh, Knickerbocker Theater, uh, where a hundred years ago it collapsed under the weight of a two foot plus snowstorm, which we talked about. Yeah, remember fasc- a few months ago. <laughs> you're fascinated with that. I am fascinated with that. Um, all right, we're done for the day. You don't have anything else, do you? No. Okay, I'm glad you enjoyed uh, the National Cathedral. It is a beautiful building, and for those that haven't been, for you Maryland people, for you Merlin people that don't get into the in, into the city, that's a good place to start. I think you'll enjoy it. And I'm not a big, like, when we travel, it's like, okay, sweetheart, enough of the cathedrals. We've seen four of them today. 
I'm ready to go. <laughs> I'm ready to go find a place where we can sit down and have a cocktail. Um, but uh, the National Cathedral is spectacular. All right, uh, we're done for the day. I'll be yeah. back tomorrow. Okay, boss. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.